Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're also joined by Andres Taxir, um, our resident expert on all things Argentinian. This week we're discussing Funes el Memorioso, or Funes the Memorious, the short story by the Argentine writer and thinker Jorge Borges. So first of all, if we can start off with yourself, Nick, if you can give us a background, some background as to why Aleph Insights is interested in Borges, and then, and then what we'll do is we'll move over to Andres, and we'll and he'll tell us about this particular story. So so Nick, start us off. Well, I've I've always uh, liked Borges ever since I discovered him, which was probably about uh, about twenty five years ago. Um, but I've discovered throughout my life that he's things that he wrote uh, have seemed to be recurrently relevant to things that I've been doing. And um, a few years ago, when Peter and I were working together, uh, not hadn't established the company at that point, um, we began to notice that a lot of analytical problems that were superficially very different all uh, looked similar to one another. And um, we started calling this the Aleph in homage to one of um, uh, Borges' stories uh, by by the name of Aleph, uh, which is about a sort of point in space that, that contains all other points. And uh, so we jocularly referred to this idea that actually all analytical problems were fundamentally the same as the Aleph. Um, but uh, we're not actually talking about that. As you said today, we're talking about uh, Funes uh, Il Memorioso. Okay, great. So that take, that's, that sort of gives us the general. So let's go to the particulars. So Andres, if you can just give us an overview of this particular story. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great maybe just to start with how this this short story was uh, came to the mind of Borges, just to understand maybe the, the story itself. And everything started with a, with a clock, with the chimes of, of a clock. Uh, that was maybe in the in the forties, and Borges uh, was in a hotel uh, outside Buenos Aires, and uh, he could not sleep. It was a hotel. It was in his room. This kind of big clock. It was chiming every fifteen minutes, and he could not sleep. And that made him really aware of of his body, of the room, of the trees outside, etc. And he started thinking to sleep. I need to be able to forget everything that is around. I need to forget myself, my body, my bed the room, the clock, etc., etc. Borges is really keen in this type of enumeration of things, and so on. And then he said, but I can't. I can't forget. I cannot sleep. And it was a, a period in his life that he had insomnia, then he was not able to sleep. And he said, what a tragedy could be not be able just to forget because you cannot sleep. And inspiring that story, Borges uh, created this fantastic short story, this character that is one of the most important characters of the maybe uh, all the, the, the literature in, in Spanish, that is Funes, El Memorioso, that is simply a guy that he had an accident and he cannot forget anything, but more than he cannot forget, he has the ability to see everything with a level of detail that is not possible for any normal human being. So Peter, let's, let's go to you. Um, can you tell us why, why is this story interesting? So Boyes explores some very interesting uh, uh, parts of understanding memory, how we make sense of the world in, in the story. And um, the, this, this character's inability to forget the detail. He, he sees and remembers everything 
that's happened to him as as separate instances. So if he sees a dog and he sees the same dog again from a different angle, to him they are two different dogs. Uh, and this happens with every every chime of a clock, every everything that happens in his life. So uh, th- this this prevents him from being able to generalize. He can't say, "Ah, oh, there's a dog." And that dog is like every other dog, because every other dog he sees is a different dog, and th- he has no—he's uh, less able to abstract uh, to abstract and say that right, like, this is a dog, so it must be have similar characteristics to these other dogs. And th- so this, exp- this the story explores how th- this fundamental ability of ours, and Borges even says, to think is to forget in in this in this story, that our ability to contemplate abstract concepts relies on our ability to ignore to suppress the detail of any given instance so we can build more general models for things so we can compare and contrast them okay let's build on that who wants to chip in yeah i mean i think the the um the way that i've previously explained why how we can think about the way that funes is crippled in his ability to to think um you know as borges says he's incapable of general platonic ideas is using the example of finding eggs in the supermarket um in in when you're trying to find things in a supermarket you you would generally you know if you want to find yogurt you know that it's yogurt is a type of dairy product so you can uh, abstract from that and say uh you know well i'm going to go to the dairy uh, area if i see milk then i i know that yogurt is going to be nearby and it's going to be not far from the cheese and you know tinned foods are alike in some way that we can just say well they're they're all you know tinned foods are united by being in a tin and that's something we can see um and uh, it fails a bit with eggs because eggs aren't really like uh, anything, are they? I, and I always find it hard to find eggs in the supermarket. I could, they're never where I expect they're going to be. They're always just on the end of a shelf somewhere. And I think one way of thinking about the position Funes in, is in is that everything is eggs to him. Everything is a unique instance. And and that you know that therefore means he's he's unable to you know navigate the world in the same way that I find it hard to navigate my way to to where the eggs are. Okay. Um, well, look. Can we, let's just for a moment. Let's just step back a bit. And I definitely want to come back on this and sort of the meanings and the importance of this. But um, I'm just interested in, in the general context. You've explained the story of of how Borges was inspired to to make this story. Um, I'm interested in how does this fit in with what was happening in Borges' life at that time, or the general context. Um, why was he interested in this, or what was going on around that time with him? Yeah, if, I, I, I think. Uh, this type of uh, this story is really consistent with the with the work of Borges. Uh, this uh, this short story is included. Uh, it it were a couple of different editions, and it was published in a couple of different books. But the the better known uh, edition of this book is Ficciones in, in Spanish. I think it's Fictions, maybe in English, and um, and. There are a number of uh, short stories there that are really consistent with this idea. I mean, clearly Borges was really, really obsessed with the idea of perception and knowledge and the idea of what is general and what is detailed. Borges has a huge obsession with libraries, with encyclopedias. Actually himself, I think that when he was asked which is his favorite gender, he would he he was saying the, the encyclopedia you know he, he he loved to read the encyclopedia i think this obsession with classifying things is a is, is, is a core in, in borges and classification means essentially what you guys were saying before means that the ability just to take things that are more relevant and things that are not so relevant then you have to exclude you have to filter and you have to group things according to some criteria 
could be wrong, could be good, you could agree, not, but it's some type of work that you need to capture, the, the nature is there and you have to process it to pro produce something else. That we tend to call this type of models no? or something like that. And uh, and I think the, the, it's really pertinent as well with, 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 with what's going on in the world, I mean, in, in, in the 40s, in the 50s, the idea that the obsession with gathering data that now today maybe it's more the obsession is, is bigger but this idea that maybe it's impossible to actually gather information there if we don't have an idea of how you're going to actually use it and the problem of Funes is that that he gathers all the information of the world but he doesn't know how to use it okay so this takes the point where all of you have said pretty much is that um, this is a story or an allegory whereby um, we see what looks like a, a super talent a super um um, desirable thing to be able to do which is to be able to remember everything together all uh, information on paper for a moment that looks like a very um, desirable thing um, but actually it's really an affliction and it can prevent us um, it means that we're not able to abstract okay and actually one of the things that's key about being a human um, is our remarkability to think in, in, in abstraction okay um, so where do we go from there I mean have, is that it well, I think it might be worth saying that um, the way that Borges presents the affliction that Funes has is only a hypothesis, right? Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's not it's not something which we should necessarily take as fundamentally given. Uh, it, it's not written into the fact that Funes can remember everything. I, I don't think that actually there's any contradiction between being able to remember everything in perfect detail and being able to generalize. Now, uh Borges suggests there is a connection, but I don't think it's a necessary one. It's plausible. It makes sense to me that, that the, the two things might go hand in hand, but they're not fundamentally um, joined to one another. Uh, but I think, I, I mean, there's another potential angle here, which is related to something Andres mentioned about data gathering. Just to bring in an example from a project we're doing at the moment about trying to, uh, which which is we're looking at ways of in which you could recognize that a particular word in a sentence is an object. So if I say the cat sat on the mat, to be able to recognize that the cat and the mat are objects. And and you think, well, could we? how could we train a machine to do this? Um, now, the, the amount of information in a sentence uh, is absolutely enormous. Um, if, if you say, well, I want to learn from scratch how to do that, there are, there are so many things that could be relevant in that task. It might be relevant that there's the letter X uh, in the third position in that sentence, or, you know, it might be relevant that there's a gap before or after a word, or it might be relevant that the sentence is exactly, you know, let's say 28 characters long rather than 32 characters long. Now, we know that some of those things are completely irrelevant and some are very important. But from a, a machine which hadn't been told that and had to infer that from just the information it was given in a sentence would would not know where to start. There'd just be too many variables. And in a sense, I think there's one way of thinking about where Funes is, is in that he's he's overwhelmed with variables, you know, which is another way of thinking about why he might be crippled. There are just too many things that could um, that that he can that he can attend to. Uh, and therefore that, you know, or any theory he might have about the world is not determined by the data he has because there's so much data. You know, there's 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 more data than there is. Um, you know, there's 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 too many data, too many things that might explain the world that he can see. Okay, um, Peter. Yeah, because uh, in the, in the story, there's no indication that Finez has been upgraded in terms of his processing power. So he's still got the cognitive limits that we have. He just hasn't got the ability to forget the detail. 
Um, he's he, he, he's, he, there may be some the, the the story might be slightly hypocritical because he's still able to converse. He's still able to sort of function at the level where he's talking to the the narrator. Um, so he's still obviously able to sort of well well is he ne necessarily able to still abstract slightly because he's still being able to talk about uh, the concept of this dog and this dog being the same dog but different in my mind so he's still able to do it uh he, he um here there's a part of the story there's a conversation about n uh, numbering systems and he invents a, a numbering system with 24,000 unique characters for each to describe all numbers up to 24,000 uh, and the narrator discusses well how a, a positional system is, is is superior for various reasons um so he's, he's obviously able to discuss these abstract concepts um so there's and I, and I, but this sort of um, that if he was really had this, this, this somebody who really had this affliction, they would be paralysed because they wouldn't have enough processing power to to deal with all these memories all the time. Um, but also, they because they are unable to uh, abstract, they wouldn't be able to explain the, the fr they wouldn't be able to explain anything. They wouldn't be able to explain what they how these memories appear to them. Uh, the concept of memory itself, you know, just the word, wouldn't have any meaning to them. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if I was going to ask Andres. I mean, this is, I think, a bit of a problem with the story, but it, is it something which uh, Borges was aware of or is it a, something that was necessary to make the story work? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting uh, question. And uh, to be frank, I don't have an answer, but I have an hypothesis, yeah? Uh, well, I, I think that I can, I can try to answer in some way. Uh, I mean, uh, I read, I think, this story, I don't know, in the past 20, 30 years, I mean, 20, 30 times. Uh, but w when I read it for for, for today, uh, I pick up something that uh, maybe it was not so relevant before. That is, there's a huge obsession with the language, and clearly, the and it's not a, it's not by chance. It's Borges. He's writing. He's using words, and he's really obsessed with which words that you use. And I think good part of the trick, the way that you sort out of all the problems, what, what Peter was saying that that the fact that Funes at the end of the day was able to communicate what he was saying. And trying to create a language, a new language for a numeric language, and he realizes that it's not right because he he said that I will give up because it's impossible to do it. He even realized about that that the limitations are there. But the fact that he's obsessed with bringing or creating a new language, and that he's, I mean, let me say in this way, the limitations of knowledge and language are together are almost the, the two flips of, of the same coin, yeah? And then I think, uh, I think this is my hypothesis. I don't know if it was kind of the only way that Borges was able to use, but I think that the, the role of language, the, the role of language is in explaining and in simplifying the word is really relevant. It's not just a lot of data that we can not maybe put it in the right box, but also how we express that. Okay, great. Andres, so can you tell me then, um, how does this story end? Um, and, and what we can take from that. Yeah, the, the story ends, and the core of the story is that Borges, uh, I mean, all the story happens in Uruguay, yeah? Uruguay, the close to Argentina. Borges used to go there, he's from Buenos Aires, and in, in Argentina, he used to go there for holidays. And one of the holidays that he goes there, he, uh, when Funes already had, had his accident, he lent him some books uh, written in Latin, uh, and Suddenly, uh, his father, Borges' uh, father, has, uh, has an accident, he's, he has a health problem, and Borges has to rush back to Buenos Aires. And then he needs to go to, to pick up the books that he had lent to Funes, and he finds this amazing character, and he spends all the night with him. And everything that we know about the story is Borges 
telling to somebody that looks like an editor that is going to write a book about Borges what happened that night. There's a plenty of writers that are contributing to this type of book. And Borges is saying, look, the story that I'm going to tell is maybe not the, the most important or the most relevant or nothing, but I want to tell you what I lived that night. And then he explains what, what, that night, uh, what happened during that night. And he leaves the room and he just learns that Funes, a few years later, dies. There's nothing more than that. That a guy that had a, an amazing night with Funes, that making the, 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 the game, Borges is really good. He says, when he explains everything, I will try to reproduce what I, what I heard that night, but of course I won't be able to remember everything. No, <laughs> because they just it was just one man that could remember everything, and uh, and then it's essentially it's that night, and Borges is writing this letter few years later. Mm, mm. Okay, yeah, Fair and on. I think oh, one potentially significant thing is that um, uh, Funes is actually he he basically lies on a bed, doesn't he? I mean, he's kind of immobile. Mm. Um, now it's not he doesn't go into why I think the implication is that Funes wants to be sensorily deprived he doesn't want to be exposed to uh, sensory experiences because it's you know so overwhelming Um, but I think you know it's also possible to imagine uh, that if if Funes is as unable to generalize as as it's suggested he is in the book um, that he's incapable of actually making decisions as well because that re- relies on having a model of the world so it relies on having an understanding of how the world behaves and that in itself relies on generalization so to be able to say well when I last put my foot on the floor it was a foot uh, down from the bed um, does that allow you to infer that in a minute's time or you know it's also going to be just one foot uh, below the where, where the bed is well, only if you're able to generalize. If you're not able to generalize, it it actually prevents you from being able to make decisions or navigate the world in any way because every new moment is a new moment. And what what has the past got to tell you about that? But I was going to ask Andres if if um, did Borges have any uh, sort of formal psychological training or you know any kind of any any background in in psychology or was it all was he an was he an amateur? I don't know. I I don't think so. Uh, I think he. I can imagine that he was raised more in the let's say in the rational English tradition. Uh, he he was a huge admirer of uh, British writers of the nineteenth century of the Victorian times and later Bertrand Russell, etc. He he's uh, he's really obsessed with the. He was in some way a really uh, scientist uh, type of writer then i can imagine he had some type of concerns about psychology uh, and then i can imagine that if he's uh, thinking or writing here about perception uh, about how people react to the outside world etc it's more from a let's say more empirism type of approach than psychology and i think that touches on the a very uh, important um debate in philosophy really sort of which predated psychology actually by a couple of hundred years which was between the the sort of english rationalist uh the empiricist kind of tradition which which effectively said that when humans uh view the world they're a blank they're a blank slate you know the phrase tabula rasa i think comes from john locke's uh, essay concerning human understanding where he postulates that we just take in information about the world and form 
models of the world when we do that. Whereas I think, um, you know, if you look at uh, Kant's approach uh, to understanding how humans um, navigate the world, he says, well, you can't begin to do it unless you have certain inbuilt assumptions. Um, you know, so that you have to effectively have certain kinds of Asp fundamental aspects of the world like cause and effect like permanence um like the ability to generalize and to categorize um without which you can't begin to think you know and so that uh, which i think i mean i think that has largely been borne out from what we understand about the way that um you know human understanding works um and i think the funes story is almost uh, is sort of saying actually that yes the, a blank slate will not get you to understanding the world simply having all of that data from the world is not by itself enough to enable you to understand it okay look i want to wrap up but what i want to do is just um if just just a, a final thought from each of you okay um so um briefly for each of you um peter can you just give me a, a closing thought here well i think this story also relates strongly to an, an ongoing topic in our podcast about artificial intelligence i think the the inability to forget and therefore not to be able to think as we know what thinking is um is potentially tells us very interesting things about what artificial intelligence may or may not be capable of uh, as we know computer memory is pretty perfect and anything any number you you store will you'll get back as uh, as you stored it um and we have to develop workarounds clever sort of statistical workarounds for categorization and and the sort of things that we take for granted are in our own wiring okay yep look good um, um i want to give the final word to andres so nick I think I think the yeah related to something I'm interested in, which is how we ought to be doing forecasting properly. Um, the, this uh, the the Good Judgment project, which I think I've mentioned before, has shown that part of what good forecasting involves is being able to say, okay, this system I'm looking at is a bit like these other systems. You know, when I'm trying to work yeah. out what's happening in uh, you know to um, a, you know if there's going to be a revolution in in Haiti next year. Um, well, how do revolutions happen? What other revolutions have occurred? You know, what are the precursors? What things tend to happen? How likely is it? And which, which, in, which, you know, fundamentally entails being able to generalize. And and it's it's you know it's been shown that people who do that do better at forecasting than people who look at the real, the specifics. You know, the kind of inside view. What's the story in Haiti today? Um, which I think you know, Funes as is almost could be a, could be a way of thinking about what what's going on with Funes. Mm-hmm. Andres. Yeah, I I think it's uh, I would like to touch one point that maybe we didn't mention in this way that is what is remembering because uh, all the stories about Funes remembering everything and the incapability of doing that or if that's what's going on with that, but we don't talk a, at all or we didn't talk a, a, at all, and Borges doesn't touch this point that is what is remembering because remembering is essentially filtering things and transforming things. And that's a dimension that Borges doesn't explore. We just see the perfect remembering, the full, the complete remembering type of scenario, and not the the more real one, how we remember what we exclude and what we don't. And I think it's a, it's a really interesting topic that maybe for another time. Mm-hmm. Um Thanks, gentlemen. Um, just before actually we finish, I've just got one final question for Andres, which is I'm interested um, in 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 how Borges fits into life in Argentina and the, the perception of him. And so it's a very crude um, 
uh, comparison. But let, let's say if you're if you're an English child, you, you know, part of your national register is is Shakespeare, for example. Okay, and I, I'm often quoting the Spanish tradition. You're looking at Cervantes. So I'm not. So I'm just. But I'm interested in Argentina. Um, is is Borges some the well, someone you every child in in Argentina will be studying at the age of eleven or I mean can you just give me some idea I'm I'm just interested in that how he fits in yeah uh, I uh, Borges uh, Borges was a really controversial person uh, he was uh, seen always as a elite type of writer uh, all his topics all his uh, production is really European slash abstract. Yeah, I could, you don't see any Arge, any trace of Argentina or Latin America there. You just see kind of universal topics. Uh, then always uh, people, the most popular bands of the Argentinian culture always uh, suspect a lot about Borges who are not really keen about that. And actually, during the Peronism years, uh, Borges was uh, not allowed just to, to work fully, or he was not uh, help. And Borges, in some ways, still now associated with a more conservative type of Argentina, and a number of other writers, I don't know, if with more or less quality, they've been in some way placing the role of more Argentinian. It's just more recently that Borges died uh, at the end of the 80s, uh, that he, he recovered a place in the Argentinian literature. I think that every child I wish and I hope uh, of 15 years old has read at least one or two short stories in high school. But I don't know if uh, that's the case. Okay. Really interesting. Thanks. And just one final thing. One thing you said there that the, there's something he's been identified as this or has put people off or has stopped him being so beloved in Argentina is a lack of Argentinian, a perceived lack of Argentinianness in him, which, which brings me on something that. Um, if I was thinking as you were talking that I'd like to get Andres back if we're able at some point because I want to talk about identity and national identity because it fits in with the film that we're making it fits in with all sorts of discussions we've all been having I know that's something that we all want to talk about um, okay so we'll wrap it up there I really really enjoyed that I, that was a really interesting discussion so um, I'd just like to say um, thanks uh, to Nick and Peter of Aleph Insights as always but a special thank you to Andres Taxir for joining us um, our resident Argentinian expert um, I'm Fraser McGrewer. Thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. Thank you. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.